Hey y'all, welcome to the Visit Roswell podcast where we talk all things tourism and hospitality related in Roswell, Georgia. We will be interviewing our partners all throughout the community and hopefully inspiring you to plan a trip to visit Roswell at your natural pace. Hello, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to another episode of the Visit Roswell podcast, where we talk all things uh, tourism in Roswell, where we uh, go in and interview a number of our different partners, whether those are restaurateurs, hoteliers, um, folks representing the different attractions, wedding venues, you name it. And uh, it's a pleasure to be back with you again today. My name is Andy Williams. I'm executive director of Visit Roswell. We are the Convention and Visitors Bureau charged with the promotion of tourism uh, through the city of Roswell. And uh, today we are very excited because we have as our guest on the podcast, Rena Youngblood. Rena is the new, I would say, well, you've been in your position for a little while now, but I would say one of the newer uh, members to the Roswell hospitality community. And uh, she serves as executive director of the Computer Museum of America. So welcome, Rena. We um, are certainly excited to have you on. Well, thanks. I'm excited to be here, Andy. Perfect, perfect. So first, let's uh, let's walk our our audience, our listeners through a little bit of the basics about the Computer Museum of America. Um, first, tell us a little bit though about your background and your career timeline, and how that eventually led you to the uh, into your position at, uh, as executive director of the CMOA. Absolutely, um, I began my nonprofit journey about twelve years ago. Um, it seems like almost everything I have done has been. Uh, almost a broken road has led me to something new and more exciting for myself. Um, so English major, literature major, minor in communications. I went straight into uh, the business world for 10 years, um, took a year or two off to be with my kids. And then I went into education, still in the for-profit sector. I was uh, kind of handling the Southeast territory for a small um, technology company out of uh, the Chicago area. And from there met um, the, the CEO of the Georgia Charter Schools Association and began a career with them. It, it was just a good fit. It was the first time I had done anything in nonprofit. Um, and I realized that maybe it was at a later date than, than others that I'm very mission driven. I, I guess mm -hmm. I did not know that. Um, and once I latched on to that idea, um, it just became, I guess, that time when you start to realize that your work and your fun is sort of all in one. Right. And, um, I went from there to a National Teachers Association. My youngest uh, son had gone to college and I had time to travel. So I had a national uh, position with a, a teachers association. Loved it. I was doing conferences all over the, the country and a lot of presentations and meeting people, things that I just enjoy doing. And um, along the way, uh, saw something about the Computer Museum of America. Well, what is that? I love museums. I've visited a bunch of them. I don't care what the subject is. If it's a museum and it gives you a new experience, then that is something I just really do enjoy. Um, so I visited and the potential of this, this destination here in Roswell is unbelievable. Um, it's something so different than what you find in most cities. Uh, you, you, what I envision, and I, I'm sure you'll ask this down the road and I'll say it again. I envision people coming in from Birmingham, Chattanooga, Raleigh, Charlotte, um, just within, because this is a different destination. 
Right. And I think it, it appeals to so many people. Um, we maybe are so in, you know, we have so much technology ingrained in what we're doing, we may not even realize that we need to preserve it. Mm -hmm. so I think it's really fun when we're here and folks are, are walking around. There's a lot of reminiscing. Um, there's a lot of uh, um, transition of history, oral history, where grandmother who used punch cards is talking to son or daughter who had an IBM, you know, one of the first uh, personal computers. And then mm -hmm. the grandson, granddaughter is talking about um, a drone that they might see in the museum. So mm -hmm. just a lot of fun, um, a lot of reminiscing and a lot of um, history and education right here. Uh, sure. Right, right. So, so walk us through how exactly the Computer Museum of America came to be. Give us kind of the layout of, you know, how long it's been around and, and really kind of um, what that experience looks like. Yeah, um, the, the museum is, is the dream of, of one avid uh, computing and technology um, uh, person, collector. Uh, Lonnie Mims has been in uh, the Roswell area for many years, but started collecting before he knew he was collecting, I believe. So he, he had gone to a programming class at Fernbank um, as a child and loved it and uh, just was interested in it. He, he was always interested in it and he began even then collecting what he could at that time. And, and that continued. He went to Georgia, he uh, majored in electrical engineering um, and, and just continued to, to buy the new, the new things. Um, mm -hmm. Later, um, the, the passion grew. Um, he wanted to do more. He wanted to, to share more. And so, um, and so the decision to give it a try started about five years ago. And that started with a couple of pop-up uh, museums. And I think the questions that they had to answer were, you know, do I like to do this? <clears throat> Are people interested in this? And mm -hmm. answers to both questions were, so uh, July 20th, 2019, the permanent um, museum was opened. Uh, it was actually the 50th anniversary of the Apollo landing, moon landing. Um, and we have a huge Apollo um, exhibit uh, here at the, the museum that's a lot of fun. And so um, we opened, then it was, um, I guess, kind of a soft opening because we weren't going right after field trips and we weren't going right after events, although we have this huge event space, um, was sort of let's learn our business, let's make sure that, that we have this, this going. And then I came in in January. So about eight weeks after I started, about eight months after the museum opened, uh, the world changed. And so this year has been uh, fully disrupted as it has for everyone. Um, but we were, I guess, in a different position in that as I came on board, um, that was when we were ready to just lean full tilt into this, this endeavor. We were going to raise the money, we were going to grow the team and, and hit it hard. Um, those plans changed a little bit, but we were lucky enough to be able to just really focus on a lot of the exhibit space, uh, building that out, uh, a lot of things that probably were in the plans for another year or two down the road, we've been able to accelerate and, and pull into the museum and on display now. So um, that part's been exciting, but like everyone and all the people I'm sure you speak with, um, we're ready to, uh, to get back to a, a normal that, that will bring people out to enjoy everything.
No doubt about it. Yeah, absolutely. That day can't come soon enough. And no, they know, can't come. We, uh, <laughs> we've um, we're in a little bit of a bubble. It's it's hit hit the hospitality community hard, but you know I think we are seeing some some decent positive signs of business return, and and hopefully sooner than later, you know, we'll get some more of that corporate confidence. Um, some of those groups, you know, in uh, in coming back, but um. You know, you mentioned the actual exhibit space itself. You mentioned the collection, um, you know, that Lonnie had really started to, I would say, accrue over the years. What can a visitor to the Computer Museum of America expect to see? They, they carve out an hour, two hours out of their time. They pop in, whether it's a school group or it's somebody just kind of running solo. What's the experience like that they're going to they're going to experience uh, when they walk into the museum? Well, okay, in my imagination right now, I'm looking at our orange arrows that are gonna take you through the museum, but you're gonna start. Uh, when you walk in, you will see an original artist um, rendering of um, Turing, Alan Turing, who is um, credited with breaking uh, the Enigma code. Our, our newer exhibits that we did get out this year um, is a 1936 um, German Enigma. Um, is in pristine condition and we've got the wonderful story of uh, first of all what the enigma was built for originally how it was obviously used which was you know terrible the, the um, group of people who broke the code and honestly due to that probably ended the war up to two years earlier than it would have ended so you know huge history changing piece of technology that we have right here um, then you're going to walk down an 1100 square foot wall. I like to tell people that this wall is our steam timeline. And on that, it's larger than most mm -hmm. apartments at 1100 square feet with over 2000 images, uh, points of interest and highlights. Um, allows anyone with any kind of background. Maybe someone doesn't think they're a techie, but they love cars. They like the evolution of cars. Um, maybe they like fashion and arts. Maybe they enjoy games and, and when heroes came out in comic books. What we try to do is lay this out so that you just kind of see what all was happening during that decade. And it sort of brings it uh, together for you. So it's a wonderful exhibit. Um, you keep going on down, you'll see the Apple One computer. Um, there are a lot of those left and we have one. So it's a beautiful piece to see. Um, and you, there's many pieces like that. I won't even go through all of them. Um, but then you keep walking, you can go by the uh, retro gaming quarter. So our guests are allowed to come in and, and due to the, the, the situation we're in now, they'll put on gloves because we let them sit down at True Artifacts to sit down at a, an original Mac, an Atari. You can sit down at an Atari and play Pac-Man. Um, it's, it's an experience that goes back, TRS-80. Uh, you have that opportunity. Punch right. machines. We've got um, people remember the Bright Magazine, which was a it was first a hobbyist magazine before it became a more commercial magazine. So we have an entire wall of those covers, um, which is is visually just an interesting thing to look at and to mm -hmm. see what was being discussed at different times throughout this early history. Um, it seemed almost like science fiction, but one cover will show. Um, you know, gentleman looking at the watch on his wrist and putting a, a little floppy disk into it. The idea of a computer on your wrist in the 80s. Right. <laughs> must have seemed like H.G. Wells, you know, um, and, and here we are today. So uh, you move on around, you'll go through the Apollo exhibit. Um, we've got a 
awesome 70% exact replica of the lunar module that sits in the middle and it sits on top of a true NASA graphic of the moon's surface. So you can just have a lot of fun in that area. Mm -hmm. Then you can walk through um, uh, supercomputing, vanquishing the impossible. We believe we have the largest supercomputer collection in the world. I have to say it that way because you know somebody will pop up from somewhere in the world to say, no, we've got one more than you do. But we right. think- Um, So it's, um, and and it's really neat. We have spent a lot of time and are still working on that area. We've put in how to understand the speed of these supercomputers. Um, The fact that yes, the phones we carry today are faster and more powerful than those original heavy pieces, but they're still building them now and they're tremendously fast, Uh, to me, unimaginably fast. So we like to show all of that. And then you come back into our uh, rotunda area, kind of at the entrance, and we have a little space called the Nook Look, because we do have so many things available to show. Uh, we think somewhere in the around 250,000 pieces that could be brought out at any one time. So we only show one to 2%. So this Nook Look is a way to share something without creating a full exhibit. Um, so right now we have just the most awesome piece ever called a jacquard loom, which you hear loom, you think weaving. I kept hearing that when I came and Mm -hmm. I am not going to say anything because I obviously do not know what this is because I'm thinking weaving. Well, it is. In the early 1800s, a Frenchman uh, named jacquard created a loom that ran with punch cards. So punch cards like on a computer. So Mm -hmm. it inspired Charles Babbage who is kind of credited with uh, creating some of these first computers and using punch cards. But it also changed, um, it changed everything about fashion because until this was available and you could use unskilled labor to create patterns in fabric, it would take a master weaver to create. So only the very, very wealthy had those types of fabrics. And then mm-hmm. arts loom is put into place and it's more accessible to more people. So I didn't realize that. It's it's fantastic. It's a really, really cool piece. So I invite anyone to come take a look. Sure, sure, absolutely. That's that's awesome. Well, okay, so now that we have the lay of the land um, and yeah, I agree. I mean, it's a a very, gosh, I mean, the first time I walked through it and kind of got that sneak peek behind the scene tour, it blew my mind because I mean, this was an area that I don't deal with every day. And so, first of all, it's fascinating. It's fascinating to really to see the artifacts and then obviously to kind of get that guided tour uh, to understand uh, everything behind it. But, you know, I think for someone even not as niche and not necessarily as hardcore interested in technology and, you know, computers and uh, specifically, uh, it was still very entertaining. And I think, uh, you know, the fact-finding aspect of it was really cool. So talk about, I guess, you know, instead of just going after folks who are heavily involved in this sort of thing, you mentioned school groups and, you know, kind of people of all age ranges. Um, how does it appeal to a multitude of people? Oh, and, and you're absolutely right. And really, I, I personally feel any entity that's going to use the word museum should appeal to every single person some way. Mm-hmm. Um, so for me, and I think what you're saying for yourself, it's almost the experience. There's a feeling about being in a museum. It's it's fun and yet it's educational and you learn as much as you want to or not as much as you want to. So um, that to me is just something I think we're accomplishing. Um, I do hear 
every weekend. It's so much more than I expected. Right. Uh, so that that's a great thing. I just wish I knew how to define what it was exactly so I didn't have to hear that. And then everybody understood it was so much more than they expected. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> right. So um, so yeah, we we know that the hardcore, as you were talking about, um, tech person, um, we're probably not likely to teach them something or a lot of things that are new. So our hope for that group of people is that we're able to organize the story, the idea, the facts in a way that maybe they haven't considered um, that timeline. And, and we, we feel like we have accomplished that very well for that group of people. For the next group of people, um, it's, it's the 80% is what we call them. I consider myself part of the 80%. I wouldn't be without my technology, but I didn't go to Georgia Tech and I didn't right. engineering. I'm an English major. So I, obviously I'm not a, a tech what would be considered a techie. But I think what this museum does, when you're walking around, you start to realize just how much of a techie maybe you are. Mm -hmm. Maybe you forgot that you used a bag phone in the 80s. Right. <laughs> right. It's like, yeah, I used one of those. That was cool. I mean, I remember getting my bag phone. Um, so I think that's one of the things that we, we do and we do well. Um, as we're telling stories, as we're building out exhibits, you can read as much as you want to. You don't have to go into the great granular details of, of the memory. You just don't have to. Um, for me, I like the first couple. I like to know about how fast something was working. Where was it used? Um, some of the stories, I like people. So the stories about people and things mm -hmm. that they do, very interesting. Um, so I think it is for everyone. Uh, we believe for field trips that the, the right age group um, is probably gonna be somewhere, but well, not somewhere, it will be fourth to 12th grade. Mm -hmm. I've been talking to um, an educator and, and she said, oh my gosh, I taught AP uh, mathematics, you know, calculus, even that, it, all of these groups need to be here. Uh, starting in fourth and fifth grade, it might be a little less, but you know, the Georgia standards, we have standards all the way through that relate somehow to this museum and things that we have available. So, you know, our mission is to preserve and to educate. And, and why do we want to do that? Well, we want people to, to think about and dream about the next innovation. So sure. it's the next thing. Um, and, and just allow people to know that other people who came up with wearing a watch or a computer on your, your wrist, you know, it did start as something that seemed impossible. Right. Impossible. Um, so that's, that's our goal is that anyone can see those types of things here and feel it's okay to, to dream that way themselves. Sure. Well, in, in the same thing, I guess, in, in keeping with that theme of accomplishment, um, you know, with your time in this role now, and you'd mentioned, how COVID obviously has flipped everything on on top of its head. Uh, we, we know that more than anybody. What has been your biggest accomplishment uh, during your time at the CMOA thus far? Um, I I think we still managed under under these crazy conditions and being so new. I mean that I, mm -hmm. I think that's something I just can't stress enough. We we still run into people on Canton Street, and I'll say something about where I work and. Mm -hmm know we had a computer museum right here. So that's, that's, that's something that we really have to work on. Um, but just the fact that we have 
managed to do a really successful um, blood drive with the Red Cross mm -hmm. the community and and I think I was told in the report saved a potential 78 lives you know that's mm -hmm. that's we we did that. Uh, we had a really excellent uh, excellent um, um, electronics drive. Mm -hmm. uh, Tech Alpharetta worked with North Fulton Charity um, and worked with. Um, oh my goodness, I'm drawing a blank on the on the recycler's name. But uh, mm -hmm. we were able to take in pieces that would be recycled or upcycled, refurbished for families that maybe are struggling with staying connected. Um, right through the North Fulton community. So that was, these are two really great community efforts and things that we want to do more of um, and, and that we managed to have that first step. I think, um, you know, like we were talking about accelerating some of the exhibition um, pieces that are out here and, and the graphics on, that we were able to get installed. Um, that was how we were able to pivot. You know, we just, we were just so young and so early in this whole thing that switching totally to a virtual that we just didn't have the resources and the expertise to do that as a lot of other places were able to. So we had to pivot in another direction. And so that's what we chose to do. And I think we've done it very, very well. And we are ready to show it off. <laughs> Absolutely. Yep. I totally agree. I totally agree. Uh, so we spent some time talking about, you know, the programming and the actual exhibit space itself, but you have this fantastic event space. And I know you know, we're all looking forward to getting into a position where groups are coming back, whether it's a wedding, uh, a corporate sales kickoff, um, you know, board training with breakout sessions, and you all have the space for that. Um, tell me a little bit about what that looks like and, and really how you fold that into the model uh, that you all yes, have. Yes, we are ready to kick the ghost out of there and have the <laughs> back, that's for sure. Actually, we've had a few things going, which has been fantastic, but we have about 10 feet and it's really kind of an empty slate which is really fun uh, one group I came in uh, one day in January and I found a DeLorean out front and it's not just any DeLorean it was the back to the future DeLorean and right. we had this great sales uh, tech company in town that was doing an all-day breakfast lunch cocktails uh, in that event space could string it with lights they had all the the neon going on from the 80s uh, so they were having a lot of fun. Uh, end of the, the day, around 4 or 4.30, we were able to open the glass garage doors and uh, everyone could take their drinks and just walk through the museum and, and, you know, just have a great time here. We want to see that several times a week um, because it, it, it does allow so much. You can make it a little bit bigger, a little bit smaller just by moving the pipe and drape. You can put up the cafe lights and do that type of thing. You can divide it from reception to sitting, dinner area. So um, I think it's going to be a great place for, yes, the weddings, uh, the mitzvahs. Uh, you know, we know that we've already talked to a few people whose organizations have decided to stay virtual. Um, and so they're already saying we need to have places where once a quarter we are going to get together. Um, so we have a classroom space for that. And so people can come in, they can have their, their half a day meeting, hopefully spend some time in the museum and, and look around, just have a little team time. Uh, so we've got that going on, you know, birthday parties for any age. Uh, sure. yeah, we, we really want to uh, get all of those things back up and running. Absolutely. Yeah, that's, um, you know, someone who's worked in uh, event production previously, 
I think what lends uh, that the space lends itself to is it's it's highly customizable. Um, you've got pillars that can be branded, easy to bring in, up lighting, um, you know, multitude of areas. I think to set up entertainment, uh, food and beverage. So it really is a it's a great flexible meeting space. And um, I know that you know the bureau is going to be working hard, um, really to, to you know get meeting planners and and third party planners in there to uh, conduct some site visits and uh, and get those uh, those pieces of business booked. No doubt about it. Um, so let's shift a little bit, and um, you kind of hit on talking about where you've come thus far, where you want to go. But let's talk about what that big picture vision looks like. So fast forward five years from now, what does it look like? You know, the CMOA has accomplished, and and what does the actual physical CMOA uh, look like at that point? Oh yeah, that'll be fun. Um, in five years, I hope that we are. Um, First of all, that everyone knows we're here. You say mm -hmm. something about Computer Museum of America anywhere in the metro Atlanta area, and people at least know we're here. Um, that's 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 big. Um, even before uh, the pandemic, we did have people who were visiting us um, because they were here on business. So people would come in from Austin, they would come in from New York, and they just knew we were here. Um, and, and they made plans to come see us. We need to return to that. Uh, so that would be my first wish list and what we, we want to accomplish, that we're just not a surprise any longer. So that, that's what we'll have in five years. We also have plans to go upstairs. Now our physical museum is 35,000 square feet today, and then plus 10,000 for the event space. So, you know, 45,000. We want to go upstairs where we have 60,000 square feet. Uh, I like to tell people we have no walls and no bathrooms yet. So um, this is gonna take um, a lot of time. Again, building awareness, um, really working with so many community partners. Um, we know we're in a very good location here in Roswell, um, about a five mile radius of the museum. We have been, kind of counted through about a thousand tech companies exist. Mm -hmm. um, so we feel like we're in the right, right place uh, in the Metro Atlanta area. Um, so that's, that's our hope is to move upstairs where we have um, ideas for other exhibits. One of which we're all super excited to, to get started with is a timeline of technology in Georgia and sure. the number of people that have made an impact in Georgia. Um, you know, even really from the, the cotton gin, which was, right. you know, a Georgia innovation that changed agriculture. Um, those of us who used modems with our computers, most of us mm -hmm. use these modems and uh, Dennis Hayes is a Georgia guy. So um, these are important things for people to know. We certainly know today with uh, FinTech, with the the medical technology, we, there's so much technology here. We know that there are venture capitalists here who want to invest in that technology. Georgia Tech is just the ultimate place to, to groom all of these, these great innovators for the future. So those are the people that we definitely want to, to connect with um, five years, build out that, that upstairs with this timeline. Our children learn they don't have to go somewhere else to have this kind of impact. And us grownups get to remember that we have had such an impact uh, in, in the world of technology. So um, that's our hope. I, I don't think it'll be completed in five years, but hopefully right. we'll be truly strongly into the capital campaign 
uh, to raise the funds. And we know that to approach that, we've got to build the trust, raise the awareness that the community knows we will do um, what is right uh, with, mm -hmm. with their donations um, to, to continue having the impact that we know that we can have here. Right, sure, absolutely. Um, I love it. And I want to say to any of our location scouts listening, you mentioned the upstairs, that is the perfect blank canvas for a <laughs> warehouse style space. I know we brought location scouts looking to do chase scenes and just needing truly flexible space where they can go in and, and kind of do whatever. And um, that space is available. And it's, um, it, yeah, I mean, it would, it would be perfect sure. for film production. It is. Um, it is. So... Let's bring it back uh, a little bit to Roswell specifically. You all have been a great partner in the community. We're certainly excited to have you here. So let's imagine um, you know, that you've got a client that's looking at, at bringing perhaps uh, a breakout session or an offsite event as a part of a three-day conference in town. And, and you know, they're having a conversation to you and, and you have the opportunity to tell them how to experience Roswell. How would you do that? Oh, wow. They need a full day. <laughs> but you don't have to have a full day. <laughs> so, um, oh my gosh, there's just so much. And we do tell people this, even, even mm -hmm. we are open. Uh, we're open on Fridays and Saturdays. Um, so we, we are still talking to a lot of people. And, you know, first of all, it starts with a great meal, uh, whether right. it's brunch with the right biscuits or the right mimosa, you know, we've got it here in Roswell. Um, it then goes to the, the boutiques and the shops that are so much fun to walk in and so different from other places that you might go. Um, it's fantastic. To the experiences like the Computer Museum of America, the Chattahoochee Nature Center, uh, taking a few minutes to kayak on the, on the river. So we have experiences that are here as well. And um, yeah, and then got the evenings. You've got your cocktails in the evening. If you want to go to one of the microbreweries that are so fantastic around here, there's just a lot to do. Um, and I think, um, you know, that's that's how I would talk to folks. And even today, we might tell someone, hey, you can run down the street, grab lunch, come back, and finish your mm -hmm. time. That's what you want to do if you're spending more time here than you had anticipated. So that's yeah. So, yeah, I feel like we, we have something to offer anyone who's, who's looking around. And for the most part, I think throughout most of Roswell, um, free parking. I, I, it's so funny to me how many people respond to that. I always feel kind of funny saying it, but, and not just here, it's, it's all over Roswell. And that's just uh, something you don't find in a lot of places anymore. So that makes sure. it easier too. Well, I love the itinerary you built out. And, um, you know, that, that's certainly one of the aspects that I like about my job is we have got the product for tourism, no doubt about it. And I'm fortunate to get to, to sell it every day. Um, so in that same vein, give us five words that you would use to best describe Roswell. My first word is always charming. I think it's a charming town. I just, that's the, just my very first word. But in addition, um, educational, historical, um, just gosh, lots of fun. Oh, and accessible. That was, that was one I definitely wanted okay. to accessible. It's so easy to get to Roswell, um, from, you know, just coming up 400 right off the inner, you know, off the interstate. So accessible would be my last word, but yeah, charming, fun, educational. Sure. Sure. Yeah. I, uh, yeah, we can't say accessible enough. That, that's a big one. <laughs> um, <laughs> you know, the proximity to, um, 
both the downtown area and then, you know, really including Hartsville-Jackson, uh, you're up here in no time. And that, that certainly is a big selling point, no doubt about it. Yep. Um, well, Rena, it's been a pleasure to have you on. Uh, this was certainly informative. And I think our audience members are going to really get a kick out of learning about the Computer Museum of America. Um, as I mentioned, you guys are uh, a great asset to the community. We look forward to really continuing to build on the relationship between Visit Roswell and you all. Um, but tell us, you know, if any of our listeners want to get more information, uh, want to learn more about you all, uh, you know, where can they find that information? All right. Well, the best place is the website, and that would be at computermuseumofamerica.org. Uh, it's a little long, but it's easy to remember. So uh, that would be the first spot. Um, we'd love anyone to come visit. Like I said, right now we are open on Fridays, 12 to 5, and on Saturdays, 10 to 5. Um, so, you know, but that that will change again. We know that will. We sure. will for Saturdays and Sundays. Hopefully we'll be Fridays through Sundays before long. So just check the website to get the most current hours. Um, but we are roughly at Holcomb Bridge Road and Highway 9 uh, on 5000 Commerce Parkway. So just sort of behind um, the Roswell Town Center Mall. So um, easy to get here. And uh, we, we love having visitors, love chatting with folks, have some of the best volunteers in the, in the city. Perfect. Love to hear it. And as always, for more information on all of our tourism partners, check out www.visitroswellga.com. Thank you to everyone for tuning in on this episode of the Visit Roswell podcast, and we look forward to getting back with you soon. Everyone have a great day. <music>